so now we're on this section where the author says Al-Imam Al-Barbahari Rahimahullah Ta'ala Wal-Mastur Min Al-Muslimin Man Lam Yadhar Min Huriba The blameless Muslim is one who does not show signs of anything suspicious. The blameless Muslim is the one who does not show signs of anything suspicious. يعني ما ظهرت عليه بدعة ما ظهر عليه فسق هذا مستور فيصلى وراءه ولا يساء به الظن لكن في قبول العلم والشهادات لا بد من معرفة عدالته صلي وراءه لا تسيء به الظن ما دام مستورا this is still talking about the topic of the congregational prayer, praying behind the imams. He says a person from the Muslims that no suspicion is apparent upon him, meaning of any evil acts or any evil deeds in terms of bid'ah, in terms of other sins. There is no suspicion or doubt upon him regarding any such affairs there is no suspicion or doubt upon him nothing is apparent from him then it is permissible to pray behind him no apparent doubts or suspicions regarding him nothing is apparent from him to indicate any bid'ah to indicate any fisk then this type of person you can pray behind him that doesn't mean that the same rule applies for seeking knowledge, for example. Seeking knowledge, you can't just say that this person, there's nothing really apparent about him. We don't really know any wrong about him, so it's okay, go and seek knowledge from him. That isn't the way. When it comes to the affairs of seeking knowledge, then you must be certain, you must be certain who you are taking that knowledge from, whether that person is from Ahlul Sunnah or not. But here it is generalized into saying that if there is nothing untoward about that individual, then it's permissible to pray behind him. Lakin Lama Tatil Umur Hadihi Mitlul Amwal Insanun Mastur Yeshadu Fiha Ma Tukbal Shahadatu La Buddha Idan لم يعرف الق... إذا لم يعرف القاضي حاله لا بد أن يطلب من يزكيه. As for giving testimony, for example, then the person must be somebody who is known. His integrity must be known. Without that, you cannot accept the testimony from a person whose integrity is not known. فَمَا نَقْبَلْ مِنْهُ الشَّهَادَةِ إِلَّا بَعْدَ ثَبُوتِ عَدَالَتِهِ So we cannot accept his testification until after his integrity is established. وَالدِّينِ مِنْ بَابِ أَوْلَى And whether he is practicing the religion, that is even more important. لَا نَقْبَلُ مِنْهُ عِلْمًا وَلَا حَدِيثًا وَلَا غَيْرَةً We do not accept any knowledge or hadith or anything other than that. Except until we have established that he is a person of integrity. If the 
في الأمور المالية حتى التافه منها فالتثبت في دين الله من باب أولى So if certain issues that may be futile issues regarding wealth and money if you have to check and make sure the person is of integrity before taking his testification about those things then of course it is even more important that you establish whether this person is upon the upright religion uh, even more so يعني الفاسق ما نقبل منه خبرا ولا شهادة رأسا Somebody who is a fasiq An open sinner Then we do not accept any news from him And we do not accept his testimony from the very beginning والمستور نبحث عن عدالته As for somebody who is Not known to have any doubts or suspicions But we must check into his integrity Allah said in the Quran regarding the fasiq, إِنْ جَاءَكُمْ فَاسِقٌ بِنَبَئٍ فَتَبَيَّنُوا If a fasiq comes to you with news, then make sure you check into his affair, clarify, determine the truth of it. فَنَبْحَثْ عَنْ شَيْءٍ خَارِجٍ قَدْ يَثْبِتْ لَأَنَّ الْفَاسِقْ قَدْ يَصْدُقْ لَكِنْ هُوَ نَفْسُهُ مَا نَقْبَلْ مِنْهُ So we have to look for some extra additional evidence to see if what he is saying is the truth or not so this section is talking about the imam if you do not have any suspicion upon him there is nothing apparent from him in terms of any doubts or suspicions and you don't know otherwise then it's permissible to pray behind him but as for seeking knowledge from a person that is a different story that is a different issue then you must look into the integrity of that person There's a question here. هل يعتبر من من يجالس أهل البدع ولكن لم تظهر منه مخالفة غير هذه هل يعتبر مستورا Somebody who accompanies or sits with the people of innovation. However, no other opposition has appeared from him. لكن لم تظهر منه مخالفة غير هذه يعني أنه يجلس مع أهل البدع والأهواء هذه المخالفة ظهرت لم تظهر منه مخالفة غير هذه فهل يعتبر مستورا A person who sits with the people of innovation This is obviously an opposition to the way of the salaf That's an opposition But he has no other oppositions We don't know of any other oppositions he has except for this one thing that he sits with the people of innovation. Is that person considered mastur? Is he somebody who you can say, well, there's no other suspicions or doubts about him, just he sits with the people of innovation. The sheikh says, هذا مكشوف. هذا مكشوف. من خفيت علينا بدعته لم تخف علينا ألفته. كما قال السلف. The salaf they used to say, if somebody tries to hide their innovation from us, they could maybe hide their innovation from us, but they cannot hide their company from us. The friends that they have, the people they sit with. Man khafiyat alayna bid'atuhu lam takhfa alayna ulfatuhu. Hadha laysa masturan. Wal Rasul alayhi salatu wassalam yaqul al-arwah junudun mujannada ma ta'arafa minha talaf. The Prophet ﷺ said that the souls are like recruited soldiers. The ones who get along, they will be together. And the ones who do not get along, they will split. They will differ. They will not be together. So the people who are alike, the people who are alike, you will see them together. And this is an important point, the Sheikh says. يا أخي يقول الشيخ يا أخي هذا المبتدع مريض أنت كيف تجالسه هذا خطأ أنت جالس الصالحين خذ منهم الخير وهذا مجالسته تضرك فأنت لا تجالسهم مجالسة الأخذان والأصدقاء والأحباء إنما 
إن وجدت فرصة معه في مسجد في مدرسة في طائرة في سيارة في سفر حصلت فرصة معه بين له الحق بين لأنه عنده خطأ عنده ضلال بين له بالأدلة The Sheikh says how can you go and sit with the people of innovation They are ill The people of innovation are ill How can you go and sit with them This is a mistake Rather you should sit with the righteous people And learn and take the good from the righteous people Sitting with the people of innovation that will harm you. And so you cannot sit with them like you are friends and you are uh, in good company. Rather, rather, if you were to bump into one of these people in, some, in the masjid or in the street or in the shop or somewhere, you bump into them and the opportunity arises, you can advise them. Bayin lahul haq, Clarify the truth to them. But as for going and sitting with them and eating with them and accompanying them, then this is not correct. So if your connection to that person is not upon this basis, i.e. you are not connected to them for the sake of giving them da'wah, you are not connected to them, sitting with them or seeing them for the sake of clarifying to them, if that is not the case, you are only with them just to relax with them, just to sit with them, just to accompany them, then you cannot stay away from them in that case. Because there is no good for you in sitting with them. Either you just sit there as if you are in agreement and you have to just smile and put on a good face and agree with him upon his misguidance. Or you end up participating in his misguidance with him. He will drag you and pull you into misguidance. Many of the people of innovation have enthusiasm for their falsehood. You want to try to bring him to the truth. You want to go and accompany the people of innovation thinking you're going to drag them towards the truth, and in reality what happens, they drag you away to the misguidance. And if you are weak, then they will overcome you. And many people you see, they say that I am only advising them. Many people you hear them say, they say we are going to the people of innovation, we attend their conference, we sit with them in the masjid, we speak with them just to advise them. And slowly, slowly these people end up becoming like them. They end up falling into the same ways as them, end up falling into their innovations. So, so these are from the effects of sitting with the people of innovation and having accompaniment with them. So the Shaykh advises this is not permissible to do, this is not for the benefit of a person to go and sit with the people of innovation and to accompany them. If somebody has knowledge and he sees one of them or bumps into them and he wants to advise them, then so be it. But to take them as friends and to take them as colleagues that you sit with and eat with, then this is not the way of Ahlul Sunnah. Then Al-Imam Al-Barbahari says, وَكُلُّ عِلْمٍ ادْعَاهُ الْعِبَادِ مِنْ عِلْمِ الْبَاطِنْ لَمْ يُوجَدْ فِي الْكِتَابِ وَلَا فِي السُنَّةِ فَهُوَ بِدْعَةِ وَضَلَالَةِ لَا يَنْبَغِ لِأَحَدٍ أَنْ يَعْمَلَ بِهِ وَلَا يَدْعُوا إِلَيْهِ So now Al-Imam Al-Barbahari he says, Everything worshippers claim as hidden knowledge if somebody claims that they have some hidden knowledge which is not found in the book and the sunnah, then it is innovation and misguidance. It is not appropriate or suitable, it is not allowed for anyone to act upon. That or to call to it. 
It is not suitable, not allowed for anyone to act upon that knowledge of the unseen as they claim. The hidden knowledge as they say. It is not permissible to act upon that or to call to that. Al-ilm huwa ilmu al-kitabi wa sunnah Qala Allah, qala Rasulullah, qala sahaba Knowledge, when we talk about knowledge, that is the Qur'an, it is the sunnah, and it is the statements of the sahaba, the salaf, that is knowledge. وَلِغُلَاتِ الصُّوفِيَّةِ But some of the extreme Sufis have some very dangerous statements, some very false claims and very dangerous statements from some of the extreme Sufis. مِنْهَا دَعْوَاهُمْ عِلْمَ الْبَاطِنِ one of their claims is that they say they have knowledge of the hidden knowledge. They say they have the hidden knowledge. Knowledge which they do not take from the Quran or the Sunnah. Rather, that knowledge of theirs is revelation from the shaitan to them. That is, from the satanic whispers to them. وَمِنْ عِلْمِ الْبَاطِنِ هَذَا مَا يَدَّعِيهِ الْمَلَاحِدَةِ وَالزَّنَادِقَ مِثْلُ النُّصَيْرِيَّةِ وَالدُّرُوزِ وَأَمْتَالُ هَأُولَاءِ وَأَصْلَافُهُمْ هَأُولَاءِ عِنْدَهُمْ عِلْمُ بَاطِنِ عِلْمُ بَاطِنِ يَهَدِّمُ الْإِسْلَامِ هَذَا الصَّلَاةِ لَيْسَتْ صَلَا الصوم غير هذا الصوم الجنة غير الجنة التي يعرف المسلمون والتي ذكرها القرآن فهذا إلحاد وزندقة يعني عند صوفية أيضا شيء من هذا So some of the people they claim that the apparent meanings are not the real meanings There are hidden meanings to everything The prayer isn't how we pray There's another hidden meaning of how to pray The fasting there's a hidden meaning of how to do that There are hidden meanings to everything they say and the Sufis, some of the Sufis have these types of beliefs too. فَهُمْ يُرِيدُونَ إِبْطَالَ الشَّرِيعَةِ So why do they say this? That there are all these hidden meanings and they have knowledge of these hidden meanings. Because they want to nullify the Sharia. They want to nullify the Sharia. فَلَا يَجُوزُ لِمُسْلِمٍ أَنْ, يصدق أن يصدقهم so therefore it is not possible for a Muslim, it is not allowed for a Muslim, impermissible to believe in them. بَلْ يَجِبُ أَنْ يُحَذِّرَ مِنْهُمْ وَمِنْ إِلْحَادِهِمْ Rather he must warn against them. وَبَعْضُهُمْ يَقُولُ حَدَّثَنِي قَلْبِي عَنْ رَبِّي وَيَذْهَبُ يَعْمَلْ مِنْ أَذْكَارِ وَمِنْ غَيْرِهَا يَقُولُونَ رَأَيْتُ فِي الْمَنَامِ فُلَانْ رَأَيْتُ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ Some of them they say, my heart told me from my Lord. As if they are getting some inspiration into their heart. And some of them say that I saw in a dream I was told this revelation or that revelation. Dreams are not revelation. Rasul The Prophet legislated and the legislation, the Sharia is complete, it is finished. He did not die until Allah completed all of the Sharia. So the Prophet does not come and give you revelation in the dreams now. He does not come and give you revelation in the dreams. So this is not accepted. لاحتمال أن يكذب هذا الذي يخبرك عن رسول الله ويحتمل أنه ما ضبط والنقل لا بد فيه من الضبط الشاهد أننا ما نقبل شيئا في العقائد والعبادات والأمور الأخرى لا نقبل شيئا إلا من كتاب الله ومن سنة رسول الله عليه الصلاة والسلام So the point being that we do not accept anything about عقيده about the uh, worship about these affairs unless it has come from the Quran and the Sunnah not from dreams or people saying that I got inspiration and I found out 
Rather, it is the Qur'an and the Sunnah alone as the sources with the understanding of the Salaf of this Ummah. وَيَجِبُ أَنْ يُحَذِّرَ النَّاسَ مِنْ دَعَاوَى أَهْلِ الضَّلَالِ وَأَهْلِ الْإِلْحَادِ وَمِنْهَا دَعَاوَى عِلْمِ الْبَاطِنِ الْأَصْلُ فِي الدِّينِ التَّحْرِيمِ حَتَّى يَثْبُتْ التَّشْرِيعِ وَالْأَصْلُ فِي أُمُورِ الدُّنْيَا الْإِبَاحَةِ حَتَّى يَثْبُتْ النَّصِ الْمُحَرَّمِ أو الْمُحَرِّمِ So the origin of this affair the origin is that with the religious affairs, this is a rule. The rule is that when it's religious affairs, anything to do with the religion, then it's not allowed to do it unless you have an evidence, a proof from the Quran and the Sunnah that such and such is an act from the religion, is a worship in the religion. But with worldly affairs, Non-religious affairs, worldly affairs, everything is permissible. Everything is permissible unless something in the Quran, in the Sunnah tells you it's not. So with religious affairs, everything is impermissible unless the evidence tells you it's permissible. In the worldly affairs, everything is permissible unless the evidence tells you it's impermissible. So with worship, you can't just make up any worship and say to somebody, well, what's the proof it's not allowed? Because with worship, it's the other way around. You have to say to them, what's the proof it is allowed? And with worldly things, you can't say to someone that such and such is allowed and such and such is not allowed. Rather, in the worldly affairs, if you're going to say something is not allowed, you have to say, where is the proof then? Where is the proof it is not allowed? So with worldly things, it's allowed. You can buy, for example, a car, any color car you want, silver, black, red, it's all allowed. It's a worldly affair. But with religious affairs, nothing is allowed unless you have proof. So you can't do any act of worship unless there's a proof in the Quran and the Sunnah that this act of worship should be done. وَلَا يَنْبَغِي لِأَحَدٍ أَنْ يَعْمَلَ بِهِ وَلَا يَدْعُوا إِلَيْهِ So it is not permissible. It is not permissible for anybody to act upon these false claims of the people that they've got inspiration, they've got revelation. It is not permissible to act upon that and it is not permissible to call to that. Then he says, وَأَيُّ مْرَأَةٍ وَهَبَتْ نَفْسَهَا لِرَجُلٍ فَإِنَّهَا لَا تَحِلُّ لَهِ يُعَاقَبَانِ إِنَّا لَمِنْهَا شَيْئَا إِلَّا بِوَلِيٍ وَشَاهِدَيْ عَدْلٍ وَصِدَاقٍ A woman who gives herself in marriage to a man is not lawful for him. A woman who gives herself in marriage to a man marries herself off to him is not lawful for him. They are both to be punished if he has violated her, unless it is performed with a guardian, a wali, two just witnesses and somebody, the dawa, the dawa, the one with the dowry. So now this is about the issue of marriage, that it is not permissible unless the woman has a guardian, a wali. لا يصح الزواج إلا بولي وشاهدي عدل لا بد ولا بد من المهر. So a marriage cannot be correct unless there are the guardian of the woman and two trustworthy witnesses. And of course there must be the dowry, the مهر. ولا يجوز للمرأة أن تهب نفسها لأحد. It is not permissible for a woman to give herself to anyone. ولا يجوز لأحد أن يقبلها بهذه الهبة. And nobody is allowed to accept that woman from this granting of herself to him. This is something specific to the Prophet that a woman could give herself and it was permissible. Now though, it must be with a guardian, a wali. إِلَّا بِوَلِي وَشَاهِدَيْ عَدْلٍ وَصَدَاقٍ 
استثناء منقطع يعني لا يجوز لمسلم أن يقبل امرأة تهب نفسها له لكنها تحل له بعقد وبولي وشاهدي عدل وصداق So a woman can marry a man it is permissible with the two witnesses there must be the guardian the wali and the two witnesses and the dowry الرسول اسم تحل له الواهبه نفسها وهذا من خصائص الرسول عليه الصلاه والسلام the prophet sallam it was allowed for him a woman could come and gift herself to him and it was allowed but now it is not now it must be the guardian the wali of the woman who approaches and performs that uh, contract and uh, makes the uh, affairs to occur ذكر الله انه احل له من النساء بنات عمه وبنات خاله وكذا وكذا ثم قال وامرأة مؤمنة إن وهبت نفسها للنبي إن أراد النبي أن يستنكحها خالصة لك من دون المؤمنين In Surah Al-Ahzab it gives the definition of this point that if a woman was to give herself to the Prophet if the Prophet wished to marry her then this is uh, pure or specific to him, not to the other believers. So that was something specific to the Prophet Wasallam. It is impermissible to marry a woman who gives herself without a guardian. وتزوجها أو رغبها وتزوجها بطريقة شرعية except the only way is to marry her in the Islamic way to have the dowry to have the guardian of the woman to have the two witnesses the reliable trustworthy integ- uh, witnesses of integrity إما أن يخطبها so he can maybe either uh, put forward his request to marry her put forward his request to marry her, to propose to her. So if a woman was to come and present herself to a man, then he can seek for the guardian of the woman to come and for the dowry to be paid that he must arrange and the witnesses to come and then he can marry her in that correct manner. As for marrying without a witness, then it is not permissible. أَيُّمَا إِمْرَأَةٍ نَكَحَتْ بِغَيْرِ إِذْنِ وَلِيِّهَا فَنِكَاحُهَا بَاطِلْ بَاطِلْ Whichever woman marries herself off without her guardian, then her marriage is false, it is false. وقال لا نكاح إلا بولي وشاهدي عدل There is no nikah except by having the guardian and uh, two witnesses two trustworthy integral witnesses لكن في مذهب الأحناف لها أن تتولى العقد بنفسها وهذا خطأ يخالف النصوص In the Hanafi school of thought they sometimes say that it's permissible for a woman to marry herself off without a guardian. And that is a mistake and it is in opposition to the texts that have been mentioned. Then Al-Imam Al-Barbahari says, وَإِذَا رَأَيْتَ الرَّجُلَ يَطْعَنْ عَلَىٰ أَحَدٍ مِنْ أَصْحَابِ النَّبِيِّ صلى الله عليه وسلم فَعَلَمْ أَنَّهُ صَاحِبُ قَوْلِ سُوءٍ وَهَوَىٰ لقول رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم إذا ذكر أصحابي فأمسكوا قد علم النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم ما يكون منهم من الزلل بعد موته فلم يقل فيهم إلا خيرا وقال ذروا أصحابي لا تقولوا فيهم إلا خيرا ولا تحدث بشيء من زللهم ولا حربهم ولا ما غاب عنك علمه ولا تسمعه من أحد يحدث به فَإِنَّهُ لَا يَسْلَمْ لَكَ قَلْبُكَ إِنْ سَمِعْتِ Then he says that if you see a man 
criticizing the companions of the messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam know that he is a person of wicked speech this is what al imam al barbahari is saying from hundreds of years ago that if you see someone criticizing the companions of the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam then know that he is a person of wicked speech and desires so imagine now what Yasir Qadi did and look at what al-Imam al-Barbahari is saying hundreds of years ago if you see anyone speaking against criticizing the companions then know that he is a person of wicked speech from hundreds of years ago nobody can say that it's us making up the refutation against Yasir Qadi Hundreds of years ago, this Imam al-Barbahari is telling you, if anybody speaks against the companions, then know he is a person of wicked speech. He is a person of wicked speech and desires. Since the Messenger of Allah said, when my companions are mentioned, then withhold. Don't speak bad about them. The Prophet knew of any slips they would make after his death, yet he did not speak about them except good. He would only speak of them good. He also said, leave my companions and do not speak about them except goodness. Do not discuss about their slips or wars, nor that of which you have no knowledge. Do not listen to such talk. This is the other point too. Look at this again, hundreds of years ago from Imam al-Barbahari. He says, do not listen to such talk from anyone. Do not listen to such talk from anyone. For if you do, your heart will not remain safe and sound. So Imam al-Barbahari is telling you, from hundreds of years ago, do not listen to the likes of Yasir Qadi. Anyone like that talking about the companions is telling you, do not listen to them. Because your heart, it will not remain safe if you sit and listen to people who speak ill of the companions. So this is why, the scholars say, or the hadith says, that the scholars are the inheritors of the prophets. The scholars of Ahlul Sunnah today, they have not made up their methodology. Their methodology is taken from the Salaf, passed on generation after generation. So now here you see Al-Imam Al-Barbahari generations ago, centuries ago, telling you exactly what we've seen nowadays from Al-Maghrib Institute, Yasir Qadi, he says anybody who speaks or criticizes the companions, then he is a person of wicked speech and desires. Since the Messenger of Allah وسلم, said, when my companions are mentioned, then withhold. And then he said, do not listen to such talk from anyone. For if you do, your hearts will not remain safe. So then Sheikh Rabia, he says, يعني أصحاب الرسول عليه الصلاة والسلام أفضل الخلق بعد النبيين والمرسلين. The companions of the Prophet ﷺ are the best of creation after the prophets and the messengers. وقد أثنى عليهم الله في محكم كتابه في آيات كثيرة. And Allah سبحانه وتعالى has praised them. The companions in the ayat, many ayat of the Quran. From amongst them, وَالسَّابِقُونَ الْأَوَّلُونَ مِنَ الْمُهَاجِرِينَ وَالْأَنصَارِ وَالَّذِينَ اتَّبَعُوهُمْ بِإِحْسَانِ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُمْ وَرَضُوا عَنْهُ وَأَعَدَّ لَهُمْ جَنَّاتٍ تَجْرِي تَحْتَهَا الْأَنْهَارِ That the early ones from the muhajirin and the ansar, those who came first, who preceded, and those who then follow them upon righteousness, Allahu anhum, Allah is pleased with them, anhu, and they are pleased with him. And Allah has prepared for them gardens under which rivers flow. Also, Allah mentioned regarding them in many other ayat, La yastawi minkum man anfaqa min qabl al-fath wa qatil ulaika a'zam darajatan min al-ladina anfaqu min ba'd wa qatilu wa kullan wa'ada Allahu al-husna that they cannot be equal the ones who spent before the conquering and fought those before from the early muslims the early companions they were greater in their degree uh, from the ones who spent after that and fought 
But all of them, Allah has promised them goodness. Kullun, all of them. All of them were kullan wa'adallahu al-husna. All of the companions have been promised the goodness from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Prophet also said, La tasubbu ashabi falaw anfaqa ahadukum mitla uhudin dhahaba ma balagha mudda ahadihim wala nasifah. Thalika fadlullahi yu'tihi man yasha. The Prophet said, do not abuse my companions. For indeed, if one of you was to spend the amount of Mount Uhud in gold, you would not be comparable even to a handspan or less than that from the companions. You would not be comparable to them even if they only gave less than you. If you gave a mountain of Uhud amount of gold, you still wouldn't be comparable to them. So this shows the great virtue of the companions. So that is the virtue that Allah has given them. That is from the virtue that Allah has given the companions. فَلَيْسَ لَهُمْ عِنْدَ الْمُسْلِمِينَ إِلَّا الْإِكْبَارِ وَالْإِحْتِرَامِ So we the Muslims give the companions honor and respect. That is what we give them. وَالْإِجْلَالِ وَالْتَقْدِيرِ وَالْذَبْعَ عَنْ أَعْرَاضِهِمْ And we must defend their honor. We must defend the honor. Of the companions of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Amma an yatiya insan yantasibu lil Islam, fayatanu fi ashab al-Rasul alaihi salatu wasallam, aw fi ahad minhum, fala shakka anhu sahibu dalal wa sahibu hawa. If a person comes along saying he's Muslim, etc., associating to Islam, but then he criticizes and abuses the companions of the Prophet ﷺ, or any one of them, then no doubt he is a person of misguidance and a person of desires. وَقَدْ قَالَ السَّلَفُ وَتَنَاوَلُ هَذَا مَنْ انْتَقَصَ صَحَابِيًّا وَاحِدًا فَهُوَ زِنْدِيقٌ وَالْعِيَاذُ بِاللَّهِ وَقَالُوا مَنْ انْتَقَصَ صَحَابِيًّا وَاحِدًا فَهُوَ رَافِضِي خَبِيثٌ They used to make statements against the people who speak against the companions, saying that he's a zindiq, saying that he's a rafidi, shia, the one who speaks against the companions, khabith. These were the types of statements that the salaf, they used to say against the people who speak against the companions. So now look at that Yasir Qadi, that foolish individual, saying that Umar ibn al-Khattab, he wouldn't be able to answer these questions if you ask him questions about aqidah and fiqh and these things now. Foolish example. He's trying to give an example of something, but it is a foolish example because the man does not follow the scholars and he does not take his knowledge from the scholars. So he comes up with his own examples and he makes foolish examples, speaks ill and belittles the companions in this way. So this is what we have learned from Ahl-Sunnah, that we honor the companions and not to be like the foolish individuals of Al-Maghrib Yasir Qadi and these people or any of the others who invite them and bring them to the UK and introduce them as sheikhs to the people like GLM and these people. مَعَ الْأَسَفَ الشَّدِيدِ تَرَى هُنَاكَ مَنْ يَدْعِي الْجِهَادِ وَالْإِصْلَاحِ وَيَقَامَةِ الْخِلَافَةِ وَيَأْتِي فِي الرَّأْسِ قَائِمَ أَحْبَائِهِ أَحِبَّائِهِ وَأَوْلِيَائِهِ وَأَصْدِقَائِهِ وَالْرَوَافِضِ some people, the sheikh says, they come and they say all good things that they want rectification, they want to establish the khilafah, etc. And in reality, their friends are the rafida. That's what they're upon. So this, it all indicates to us that we must honor the companions. As for the narration, leave my companions and do not say anything about them except goodness. That is a weak narration, but the meaning of it is obviously correct. The meaning of it is obviously correct and it is the same as the previous narration that you do not speak bad of the companions, rather you speak of them with goodness. قوله لا تحدث بشيء من زللهم ولا حربهم ولا تجلس أمام العوام وتقرأ عليهم قصة قتال الصحابة في الصفين وقتالهم في الجمل وتذكر أو تذكر فلان قتله فلان وفلان قتل فلان وفلان فعل لا تقرأ على الناس لأن هذا يورث الأحقاد على بعض الصحابة إما على الجميع وإما على بعضهم 
ويؤدي إلى سوء الظن بهم ولا ينبغي أبدا إذا ذكر أصحابي فأمسكوا ولا تسبوا أصحابي والآيات التي وردت في فضلهم So the Sheikh says Al-Imam Al-Barbahari He says it is not permissible to sit with the common people and to talk to them about some of the events that occurred amongst the companions some of the battles that occurred uh, at the time of Ali radiallahu anhu and these types of affairs it is not suitable to discuss these issues because people will misunderstand they will misunderstand and they might have some bad feeling in their heart because they don't understand so these types of affairs you do not sit there and say such and such killed such and such and this battle happened and that happened those types of affairs between the companions, then you do not mention them and do not speak about those types of issues. Uh, and then, Al-Imam al-Barbahari, that's where he mentioned, if you hear someone criticizing or rejecting the narrations or desiring something other than the narrations, have doubt about his Islam. Do not doubt about his being a person of desires and innovation. After this section about the companions, after mentioning the virtue of the companions and the rights of the companions and how we are to respect them and to honor them, he then goes on to the next section saying, وَإِذَا سَمِعْتَ الرَّجُلَ يَطْعَنْ عَلَى الْآثَارِ وَيَرُدُّ الْآثَارِ أَوْ يُرِيدُ غَيْرَ الْآثَارِ فَاتَّهِمْهُ عَلَى الْإِسْلَامِ that if you see someone or you hear someone criticizing the narrations, rejecting the narrations, or he wants something else, he doesn't want these narrations, then make him blameworthy in his religion and do not doubt that he is a person of desires and an innovator. Do not doubt that he is a person of desires and an innovator, the one who rejects the narrations, the one who rejects the uh, narrations and instead want something else that is the section insha'Allah ta'ala we'll start with next week from that topic regarding accepting the narrations and not rejecting them we'll begin with that section insha'Allah ta'ala from next week and we'll conclude upon that point today wa sallallahu ala nabina muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'een there is one thing to mention some people are asking about it there is apparently an event going on tomorrow in Manchester and some messages have been going around and this particular event it is happening in Masjid Furqan in Rush Home in Manchester. However, this event is not an event that is recommended. It is not an event that is recommended. The people who are organizing this event, Salafi Events UK they call themselves, these are the same people who work with GLM. They are the same people who work with Abu Usama al-Dhahabi, that person that Sheikh Ahmed Najmi said is a mubtadi'. These are the same people who work with Medina.com that have been refuted for many years. They are the same people who work with all of these individuals. They are the same people who work with Masjid Sunnah in Cheatham Hill, the ones who cut the telephone line when Sheikh Rabia was talking. That's how much hatred they have. The Sheikh was talking on the phone and they knew he was about to refute Abu Hassan al-Ma'rabi, this was 10 years ago. They knew he was about to refute him. They didn't want anybody to find out. They didn't want to hear that. So how did they want to stop it? The only way, they went and cut the telephone and they pulled it out, they broke it. So the sheikh couldn't speak. <laughs> this is what they are like. These people now, Salafi Events UK, they are from the same group. They work with them, they cooperate with them. They promote them. They say, the Salafi. MashaAllah, cut the telephone on and Sheikh Rabia, the Salafi. These are the people who are organizing these events. So it is not suitable to attend with them and you should not advise anyone to go to their events. This event of Salafi Events UK, they call themselves. In Masjid Furqan in Manchester, Rush Home. And they have an event tomorrow, I think. So you should not attend this and you should advise anybody who is thinking of going not to go there. And even the speakers who they are bringing, one of them is from Medina.com with Abu Usama, Dhahabi, GLM, everything. Another one, nobody is just some new person who came now. It's not even known who he is. I think he's 21 years old. And another one is the one who foolishly went against all of the principles of the Salaf and went and debated with the Takfiri and got refuted. He was trying to say that I am Salafi, I'm going to refute the Takfiri. And he went and he wasn't able to do it. And he was made a fool of. And afterwards the Takfiris, they were saying we got victory. And they got the video 
the takfiris and they were posting it everywhere on the website saying, look, we beat the Salafis. This is the foolish man who's going to come tomorrow give the lecture. So these people do not go sit with them, do not attend with them. So I advise the people not to go and attend that event. So we'll conclude upon that today and we'll carry on next week, inshallah ta'ala. No, not innovation. The people who you do not know any suspicion or doubt about. That's what he said. Today's lesson you're talking about, huh? Or what? No, today's lesson, what he said was the mastur. The mastur is a person that you don't know anything bad or suspicious about him. That he's an imam leading the prayer. You have no, no apparent suspicion from him. No bid'ah you can see from him. Nothing that is apparent about him. You can pray with him. Pray behind him. Now you know, so now it's different. If you know somebody is a person of innovation, then you already know about this person now. Then the ruling is a bit different. You have to, if that person has extreme innovation, very deviated innovation, then the scholars, they say, don't pray behind people like that. No, speaking ill of the Salafis isn't the point. The point is, if he speaks ill of the Salafis, why? Because he doesn't like the Salafi methodology. That's what he's speaking ill of. He doesn't like the way of the Salafi methodology. The affirmation of the names and the attributes, the issues of iman, the issues of decree. He doesn't follow the way of the salaf. That's what his problem is. So if he's opposing the way of the salaf, you still have to look at this situation. If it's an extreme opposition and he's extreme bid'ah, then Sheikh Bin Ba'a said, don't pray behind people of extreme innovation. Avoid that. But otherwise, otherwise, even a person of innovation, if it wasn't an extreme innovation like that, then it's allowed to pray. It is allowed if you're in a situation somewhere you had no choice. But here in this city, you have no problem. Like we said before, you have a Salafi masjid, so that question doesn't even come up in this city. In this city, you should not go and pray anywhere apart from this masjid. Like Sheikh Mukbil and the scholars used to say, if you have a masjid of Ahlul Sunnah, go to that masjid and be with your brothers. Don't go and pray in other places then. So here, alhamdulillah, there's no problem. Alhamdulillah, you have the masjid. So we'll leave it there. Inshallah, we'll carry on next week. Is there questions or something? What is it? With regards to the Sufis, one action which is done is something called the Mawlid. Once a week or however frequently they sit together in a group and they chant. They sit together in a group and they chant and they say some words in a chorus. So is this type of thing allowed? If not, how do I explain it is incorrect? The people I know who do this do not associate themselves as being Sufi, but they are very passionate about it. No doubt this is bid'ah. Because like we've said, with religious affairs, you must have proof from the Quran and the Sunnah before you can do it. So it's a very simple, a very simple understanding. You have to now, if you're going to say this is worship, sitting there chanting together, moving your heads, etc., if you're going to say this is an act of worship, then you must provide the proof. Where is the hadith that the companions used to sit together and do this? Find me one narration where the companions used to sit together and they used to do this remembrance. How come there isn't a single narration? How come all of the companions, all of the salaf, not a single narration that they used to sit together in the Prophet's masjid or anywhere else and do this dhikr and say things and Allahu, Allahu and all these things and move their head. How come there isn't a single narration anywhere that shows to you the companions never did it, the Sahaba never did it, the Salaf never did it? How come there's not a single narration from the Prophet that he used to teach the people this is how you should do it? All of these hadith telling us about how the Prophet used to worship, what he used to do, and not a single person mentioned to us that the Prophet used to tell them to sit together in a circle and do these things. Why did they not mention it to us? Because it never occurred, it never happened. The Prophet ﷺ never told them to sit in a circle and do these things. That's why there are no hadith. So it's very simple. You tell the people if doing it, who are doing it, show us, tell us, where is the hadith, where is the proof, where is the ayah. You must give us some proof for this. And there isn't any. So anything where there is no proof for it, it is outside of the Quran and the Sunnah, it is an innovation. As the hadith says, مَنْ عَمِلَ عَمَلَ لَيْسَ عَلَيْهِ أَمْرُنَا فَهُوَ 
Whoever does an action which is not from the actions of the Sharia it will be rejected. Every action which is accepted must be with sincerity and in accordance to the Sunnah. So now these people need to prove to us. Don't just give us general narrations where it says do dhikr. That's general, you do dhikr. But where does it say you sit together in a circle and chant and get together once a week? Where is the narration that says do it exactly like that? Generally just about doing dhikr and remembering Allah. Yes, of course, all the time you can do that. After the prayer, in the prayer, every time you're walking, you can do dhikr, recite the Quran. That's general. So general narrations like that aren't proof. They need to give us proof now. Specific, sit down, in a circle, chant. Where is the proof? There is none. So explain to these people there are no proofs for this. There's no hadith for this. You can't just use a general narration saying you're supposed to do dhikr. You're supposed to get together and do dhikr. Even now, we have got together and we are doing dhikr. We're here, we've got together and we're doing dhikr. But this is in accordance to the way of the Salaf, how they used to do it. Getting together, having a lesson of knowledge, going through the Quran and the Sunnah. Now if they are going to use this general evidence, get together and do dhikr, meaning do the chanting, then show us the proof why the Salaf did that too. We can show you the proof. Many hadith, many narrations and many events, the Salaf used to come together, sit in circles. So many hadith, the companions used to go and sit with the Prophet to learn and to study. So we have proof for these actions. Where is there proof that you get together and chant? There is none. So you must try to explain to them, you can't use general narrations. Give us a particular, specific narration where it says the companions got together and they started chanting. Or the Prophet got together and started chanting. That's what they need to prove and they cannot. So it's a bid'ah. Good bid'ah, there's no such thing. Why did the Prophet say, Kullu bid'atin Every innovation is a misguidance. How can they be good bid'ah? Bid'ah means something which was not prescribed by the Prophet That means, if you say there is good bid'ah, that means the Prophet didn't tell you everything about your religion. You had to make up this good bid'ah yourself. The Prophet already told you all of the worship how to do it. You don't need to make up some new worship and say this is good bid'ah. Who told you it's good bid'ah? How do you know this is a good bid'ah? Who told you that? How do you know the Prophet or the Sharia approves of this? You don't know this, it's a nonsense. There is no good bid'ah like that. Kullu bid'atin dalala, the Prophet said. Every innovation is a misguidance. So we'll leave it there. We'll carry on next week, inshallah.